It's the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. Thank you for joining us. We're broadcasting from the free state of Florida from Echelon Health Studios. Welcome back. Yesterday, Hunter Biden's former associate, Archer, uh, Devin Archer, testified in a closed-door meeting with Congress. We'll uncover some of that. And then also there's a Blue City Blues update, uh, Oakland. Uh, NAACP is decrying the defund the police movement. And also uh, New York City is trying to pay people to take their uh, illegal aliens out of their sanctuary city for some reason. And we have the transgender update and something else here. Oh, well, COVID. <clears throat> First of all, I'm going to start off with the COVID stuff. So Rand Paul has officially... Uh, referred Dr. Fauci for a uh, Department of Justice criminal referral, it's called. And the reason why is because he told a lie to Congress. And if you remember correctly, lying to Congress is a uh, is, is punishable. It's, it's, there's a lot of uh, people probably out there who have lied to Congress who have are now in prison. And uh, one of those people who's lied to Congress and not in prison is Dr. Fauci. And this is from Fox News. It says, Rand Paul announces official criminal referral, says email shows COVID testimony is absolutely a lie. And so this has to do with the gain of function. And there's been an email that was uh, uncovered that was from Dr. Fauci. And it, it basically says that he knows what's going on with this uh, coronavirus. And it shows that he knows that it was a gain of function. And uh, this email here is to uh, detail a call with the British medical researcher Jeremy Farrar, uh, who was director of the Wellcome Trust at the time. It says, according to Fauci, those on the task force call, including Francis Collins, former director of NIH, um, former director of the National Human Genome Research Institute, and other highly credible scientists with expertise in evolutionary biology, express concern about the, quote, fact upon viewing the sequence of several isolates of the Novid coronavirus, there were mutations in the virus that would be most unusual to have evolved naturally in the bats, and there's a suspicion that this mutation was intentionally inserted. It says, the suspicion was heightened by the fact that the scientists in the Wuhan University are known to have been working on gain-of-function experiments to determine the molecular mechanisms associated with bat viruses adapting to human infection in the outbreak in Wuhan, Fauci wrote according to a screenshot of a newly unredacted email shared by Real, Real Clear Politics White House reporter Philip Wegman. And it goes back, it says that uh, Rand Paul questioned uh, Dr. Fauci on September 14th about this, and Dr. Fauci said that there's nothing uh, that is that is going on that's called gain-of-function there. It says during a heated exchange, uh, well, this is in July, so on July, then on July 21st, going back is when he first brought the gain-of-function up. It says, in July 21, Paul reminded Fauci, the former director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and medical advisor to President, that lying to Congress is a federal crime, suggesting that the NIAID director had done so in regard to gain-of-function conducted at Wuhan, gain-of-function research. It says, uh, during a heated exchange, Fauci insisted he had, quote, never lied before Congress during prior testimony in May. So... They thought she was in front of Congress a bunch of times. So he said, look, when I talked to you in May and I denied gain of function, I, I wasn't lying. And this was in July now. He says, I, uh, he says, I never lied before Congress. And Paul, uh, he, tell, he told Dr. Paul, Ron Paul, Rand Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. 
Fauci further denied that the National Institutes of Health funded gain-of-function research, despite Paul citing a journal article titled Discovery of a Rich Gene Pool of Bat SARS COVID-Related Coronaviruses. So in that article, it says here, uh, it says, uh, Fauci, refer- Fauci said that the paper that Paul referred to uh, was judged by qualified staff up and down as not being gain-of-function. But here's what they did with that research, and you tell me what you think. It says, Paul, who graduated from Duke University, was a practicing doctor. He was an ophthalmologist. Noted the author's credits that the note notes that the paper's author credits the NIH and lists the actual number of the grant given by NIH. Okay, so here he is. So this NIH uh, grant is is indicated by the author of this um, article in this paper. Then and then Fauci said that we had never funded it at the gain of, uh, NIH had never funded gain of function research. So it says here. The author took two bat coronavirus spike genes and combined them with SARS-related backbone to create new viruses that are not found in nature. And the lab-created viruses were then shown to replicate in humans, Paul said during the July congressional hearing. He says, viruses that in nature only infect animals were manipulated in Wuhan lab to gain gain function of infecting humans. And then that's when uh, Fauci said, look, this has been judged by people who said this is not gain of function. And so as Paul read from the gain of function NIH definition, it says, this is what you guys wrote. And it says, quote, uh, it says that it says the scientific research or scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. And that's what they did. So anyway, so Dr. Fauci has been referred. And this is an example of what happens when you are, uh, a master manipulator, you're a, you're a, you're you're part of the deep state, and when you can be a part of the deep state like this, you know that there's nothing that's going to ever happen to you. So you can go in front of Congress and lie like this, bald faced, without any worry. And so this te- this uh, referral that d- uh, Dr. Paul has given to Dr. Fauci to the Department of Justice is going to go nowhere. It's going to go nowhere because Dr. Fauci is part of the deep state. And so is the Department of Justice. So I was I was listening earlier on to uh, Clay and Buck, and they were talking about um, this ongoing Biden thing. And they said, uh, you know, if 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 this doesn't, if there's nothing that happens with this uh, investigation into Biden and all this apparent corruption that's going on, if nothing happens to that, and at the same time they go ahead and they prosecute Donald Trump. Uh, we worry that the American people aren't going to have uh, aren't going to have uh, faith in the Justice Department, and I'm thinking, who out there does have faith in the Justice Department? Who, who's paying attention? Who, who out there who's paying any attention at all has faith in the Justice Department? I think the people who know that what's going on with Trump and with Biden, they see it as let's let's take it from the standpoint of the people who are on the right. You know, the the Trump people, let's just call them Trump people, not right or left, Trump people. Trump people say, look, he is being railroaded. He is being tried for things that other people have not been tried for. He has been indicted for things that other people have not been indicted for. Even if he did do those, other people have done them and not been indicted for them. And they're basically throwing the book at him for for little little offenses, if there is any offenses. The Biden people, I think, say the same thing, but they say that it's justified because Trump is a bad guy. 
And I think that's the breakdown that you have. You have the Trump people who say, look, Trump's being railroaded. This is this is not right. And uh, it, it's, it shows that there's a two-tier justice system. And then the Biden people say, yes, there is a two-tier, two-tier justice system. And it is for a good reason, because you people on the right are dangerous. You people on the right are insurrectionists. So when you're on the right and you, uh, you protest, it's called an insurrection. When you're on the left and you protest, it's called, it's called constitutional. It's called uh, exercising your rights. It's called, it's called fundamental part of being American. It's called patriotic. It is amongst the most um, uh, virtuous things that you could do to, to protest. Like I said, so this is what you're going to see. And I think there's people in the middle who are not paying attention at all. And so that's what you have to try to do is convince people who are not paying attention that, look, there is a problem here. There is a serious problem. There is two-tier justice. And like the old saying goes, you know, at first they came for these people, then they came for this people, and I didn't mind, and then they came for me. So after they get through taking care of Donald Trump, they're going to come after you next if you don't fall in line. And we saw this before. Um, Think about during COVID. If you didn't follow the rules, you were part of that group. You know, you were part of those people who the ends justified the means potentially to get rid of, you know. There were people that went as far as saying, look, if you didn't get the vaccine, which was basically a sign politically that you were not following the government, which is to them the worst not the worst sin that you can do is not follow the dictates of the government. If you didn't get the vaccine, then you maybe didn't deserve to have treatment at the hospitals. You know, maybe you didn't deserve to um, didn't deserve to have a job. Maybe you didn't deserve to be able to feed your family. And that is uh, what we see now is this two-tiered justice system. But some people think it's, it's okay because the means justify the ends. And if the ends are keeping Donald Trump out of office and the ends include uh, prosecuting Donald Trump, then those people are, are okay with that. And they don't mind a two-tiered justice system, just like they didn't mind if you lost your job simply because you didn't want a vaccine because it showed you're not with the program. You know, you're not you're not on the right. You don't have your right frame of mind. You need to be reeducated, first of all. And if you're not going to be reeducated willingly, then you're going to have to suffer until you're willing to come back to your senses and be reeducated. So Dr. Fauci has been referred for a criminal referral for lying to Congress, and he will suffer zero consequences of this. That's a guarantee. So here's a this is from this is from The New York Times. It says mRNA COVID jabs have caused silent heart damage to tens of millions of people, a shocking new study suggests. Moderna's COVID booster caused one in 35 people to have heart injuries detectable with blood tests, Swiss doctors report. Will the Centers for Disease Control or American researchers take note? Now, I didn't, I I lied there. That is not from the New York Times. This is from uh, Alex Berenson, who used to write for the New York Times, interestingly enough. But he has a sub stack, and this came from his sub stack. But the simple point of me saying that is enough to change entirely the way that this article will be taken. Because if I said if it was from the New York Times, automatically in all of the media and all the corporate media and all of the uh, what's considered mainstream media, this is going to be automatically taken as fact because it's from the New York Times. And the New York Times is anything that's printed as truthful. 
truthful and the only truth. As the Washington Post says, democracy dies in dark. So the Washington Post, MSNBC, CNN, New York Times, uh, you know, down the line, if those people say something, it is fact. And now if you don't say that, if it didn't come from them, then and it doesn't comport with the narrative, then it is probably a conspiracy theory. So let's continue. This is from Alex Berenson's Substack. mRNA COVID jabs have caused silent heart damage to tens of millions of people, a shocking new study suggests. A dose of Moderna's COVID jab injured the hearts of about 3% of people who received it, Swiss researchers have found. The vaccinated people did not show obvious signs of heart damage, but when researchers ran three or tests three days after the jabs, they found high levels of troponin, a protein that the heart releases when it is injured in many recipients. So troponin is one of the things when you go to the hospital, if you say you have chest pain, they'll draw blood, and troponin is something that they'll see an elevation if you have a heart attack. But you can get it from other heart damage. You can get it just from um, your heart being strained from excessive hypertension. You can also get it from infections. So it's nonspecific, but it does show damage. It says, Subclinical mRNA vaccine-associated myocardial injury is much more common than estimated based on passive surveillance, the researchers concluded. The paper was published last week in the peer-reviewed European Journal of Heart Failure. It says, the researchers conducted tests on 777 employees at University Hospital Basel, one of Switzerland's top medical centers, from December 21 through February 22. The employees had already been scheduled to receive mRNA boosters and were asked if they would undergo a blood test for troponin levels three days later. So these people were healthy, presumably. In other words, the researchers conducted, quote, active surveillance on them to trace potential side effects, as opposed to, quote, passive surveillance vaccine safety systems like the federal government's VAERS, which depends on the patient or doctor's report system. So VAERS is what you feel see uh, people report VAERS that if you Google VAERS and uh, COVID vaccines, you'll see all of these um, incredible graphs and these are graphs of people reporting events to theirs and now if you tell that to the people who like for instance at the new york times uh or msnbc or you know uh, any of these mainstream quote-unquote places they'll say well that's that's basically it's it's not to be trusted because it's we can't we can't trust that it's not scientific it's just people reporting and it's mostly crackpot right-wingers who are making up stories just so that they can make the vaccines look bad so anyway, it says that the act, this is active surveillance. So it says that the, um, the Moderna vaccinees were a healthy group with an average age of 37 and few pre-existing heart problems. About 70% were women, interestingly enough. You'll see why. Okay. Post-jab blood tests found that 40 of the jab recipients had, high, had highly elevated troponin levels above the 99th percentile for the average man or woman. So this basically showed that there was some damage that was done. This was not a, um, this was, this was a problem and it was a problem presumably because of the COVID jab. It says the study contained another striking finding. The researchers reported that 20 of the injured recipients were women while only two were men. Even adjusting for the fact that more women were tested, women were almost five times as likely to have elevated troponin. Many large studies have shown that young men are the highest risk from mRNA-caused myocarditis and pericarditis, or acute heart inflammation following the jabs. But this study suggests that women may be suffering more subtle damage. And it, says, it goes on to say that you, know, you cannot regenerate 
heart tissue. Unlike organs such as liver, the heart cannot regenerate muscle, dead muscle tissue, and it actually forms a scar. And it says here, it says the researchers referred to the damage as, quote, transient. That view was somewhat optimistic. The researcher, I'm sorry, the scientists conducted only one follow-up troponin test on the injured people a day after the first test. The second test showed that many of them, especially those with the highest troponin levels in the first test, had only small declines in their troponin levels, so it was persistent. Without further tests, no one can be sure the declines continued or how quickly, if ever, troponin levels returned to normal. Uh, so basically, this is a problem that we have not seen here because there's been no... Um, there's been no testing like this, and there's ob- there's going to be no research about this because most of the research is funded by, in the United States, drug companies or the NIH. And both of those, are, it's like one and the same. It's like depending on which day of the week uh, or which part of the year you're asking is a person member of a drug company or the NIH because there's like a revolving door. Like most of the industries in Washington, D.C., people just revolve around, you know, uh, General Austin goes from being in the military to going to be on the board of directors of a defense contractor to being the secretary of defense. Um, Jamie Dimon goes from being a, a banker to the secretary of the treasury to being head of a Chase Bank now, I think it is, or, or City. I can't remember. So it's just a revolving door. And this is, again, this is why you'll never see this type of study in the United States. So they had 40 people originally who had elevated troponins. So then they went an extra te- extra step and they did this. It says, after the scientists removed anyone with a plausible non-jab explanation, 22 people, or one in 35 of those they tested, remained injured by the Moderna jab. Like I said, if this was in the, I'm sorry, if this was in the New York Times or the Washington Compost or any of those uh, uh, rags, this would be, oh, this is it. That's it. I mean, this is confirmation. But no, this is going to go nowhere again, like the uh, Fauci referral, because we live in this country where unless it becomes unless the the information comes from the source the establishment then there's not going to be any uh any coverage of it at all and and except on you know small platforms like this or you know conservative outlets you're not going to hear about it it's going to be squashed you know this if you googled this and and you you went on cnn you'd never find any mention of this article but like i said this is a alex berenson substack if you want to find it yourself. Okay, what else have we got here? So Devin Archer was in front of the Congress yesterday in a closed-door uh, hearing, and he apparently spilled the beans on a lot of the stuff that had been going on when he was working with Hunter Biden. And basically, Hunter Biden was the, uh, the head guy, and Devin Archer was his partner, and they were working with Burisma. And Burisma was this uh, energy company in Ukraine. And the energy company in Ukraine was having problems with this guy named Shulkin. Shulkin. He was the uh, he was this uh, prosecutor who was looking into Ukraine. And so Devin Archer and uh, Hunter said, hey, why don't we get the big guy involved? And why don't we uh, why don't we see if the big guy can pull some strings and the big guy pull some strings. And the next thing you know, um, Hunter, Bi- I'm sorry, Joe Biden is basically telling these guys um, that ran Ukraine at the time, you better fire that prosecutor or else you're not getting a billion dollars, as he said in this widely seen uh, video. 
and the the, the prosecutor got fired and presumably uh, they got the money and everyone went on their business and uh, Ukraine was allowed to continue going on doing what they needed to do. So Hunter Biden, I'm sorry. So Joe Biden has said, yeah, look, I've never talked to my family or I've never talked to Hunter about this. And, uh, you know, this is basically, you know, Hunter, Hunter did. He was hired. He was paid $83,000 a year uh, to be an executive. I didn't know anything about it. I love my son. He's the smartest guy I know. And uh, so it had nothing to do with me. So here's what uh, Devin Archer said. Devin Archer, a longtime business. This is from uh, The Federalist. Evidence of Biden Burisma corruption is overwhelming. Devin Archer, a longtime business partner and close friend of Hunter Biden's, told congressional investigators Monday that at a meeting in Dubai on December 4, 2015, top executives Ukrainian energy concern Burisma asked Hunter Biden and himself for help from D.C. At the time of the meeting, Hunter Biden's dad, Joe Biden, was serving as Barack Obama's vice president as well as his point person on Ukraine. Mykola Shovelesky, the owner of Burisma, and Vadim Pozart, Pozarski, I'm, I may have said that wrong, a Burisma executive wanted to get Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin fired as he was investigating the company for corruption, Archer told members of Congress. Hunter Biden put Shovetsky and Pozarski on a call with, quote, D.C., Archer said, noting that he was not part of the phone call, so he could not possibly know who was on the other end. He does say, though, that Joe Biden met and spoke with more than, uh, Joe Biden did meet and speak more than 20 times with various business associates who were paying for access to the Biden family. It says, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. It says, a mere five days after the Dubai meeting and phone call, Vice President Biden gave a speech to the Ukrainian Rada in a parliament, its parliament in Kiev, attempting to lay the groundwork for firing Shokin. It took just a few short months before Shokin was fired. Joe Biden bragged about it in a speech in January 2018, saying he was personally responsible for getting the firing accomplished so quickly. And we've we've seen the we've seen the video. He goes, you know, I was I was there, and I told him, "You're not getting the billion dollars. We're leaving in six hours." And then they they said, "Well, you can't do that. You you don't have the authority." He goes, "Huh? You just watch." And sure enough, six hours later, son of a bitch, he got fired. Joe Biden says. So anyway. This is further reinforcing with congressional testimony. This is not just a, you know, me reporting it or Gateway Pundit or somebody else writing an article. This is Devin Archer, who is now, he's looking at prison now. And this is the other thing that was funny about this. So Devin Archer was going to um, testify, right? Or he's going to go in front of Congress. And then... It says, over the weekend, this is from a different article. This is from uh, American Greatness, Deborah Hine. It says, Hunter Biden told indicted pal Devin Archer in 2019 that people questioning him have no power. But anyway, from the article, this is reporting what happened over this weekend. So this is this past weekend, this is what happened. So Devin Archer is going to talk to Congress, and it's known. It's, it's not a secret. He's going to talk to Congress. It says, over the weekend, federal prosecutors in Manhattan pushed for Devin Archer to report to prison to begin his one-year prison sentence for, for the fraud case of ahead, of ahead of his scheduled testimony before the Oversight Committee. So Devin Archer got in trouble because he was, uh, what was he doing? He, was, he swindled some money. They, they accused him of taking some money from people, $60 million, something like that. He denies he did it. Anyway, they sentenced him, and he has he's uh, he's... He's not been sent to prison yet, so it's still in the in the legal, you know, process. But he's been he's been 
he's been convicted of this. And they said, look, I know that, you know, prior to just this weekend, before we heard about you going to go testify, you know, you've been out enjoying life and you're, you're, you're going to have your time in court. But now, actually, we want you to go ahead and report to prison. But it says here, Archer's, Archer's attorney and the Justice Department both tried to, quote, shut down speculation that the DOJ letter sent to a federal sent to a federal judge Saturday was meant to keep Archer from giving information about the first son's business interest. This is as Archer's lawyer said. We're aware of the speculation that the Department of Justice weekend request to have Mr. Archer report to prison as an attempt by the Biden administration to intimidate him in advance of his meeting with the House Oversight Committee. To be clear, Mr. Archer does not agree with that speculation, Swartz added. In any case, Mr. Archer will do what he has planned to do all along, which is to show up Monday and honestly answer the questions that are put to him by the congressional investigators. Jesus. So this guy, this guy's like, listen, I, I, it ain't me. I am not the one that's saying that. Don't punish me. He knows what he's up against. He's seen this firsthand. And now Joe Biden is the president. So he knows he's got to... You know, he's in a hard situation. This article's about that. It says, this is in 2019. This is a text message they got. If if Hunter wasn't such a, I don't know, sloppy person, we'd never know any of this. This is from the American Greatness article from uh, uh, Deborah Hine. It says, in a 2019 text message, Hunter Biden told his former best friend and business partner, Devin Archer, that his legal woes were, quote, the price of being the most powerful group of people in the world. This is what Biden said. Reparee Marjorie Taylor Greene posted the previously unseen text message on Monday during a break in Archer's long-awaited closed-door deposition in front of the House Oversight Committee. Oh, here's why Archer was in trouble. Archer was convicted of securities fraud in 2018 for allegedly swindling the Ogala Sioux Indian tribe out of over $60 million in bonds. He was sentenced to a year and a day in prison and lost his appeal to have his conviction and sentence tossed last month. So that's why he was in trouble. That's why they told him to report to prison. You know, it says here, this is uh, Archer asked Hunter why appointees from the Obama Biden administration had arrested him. This is on 2019 text to uh, Hunter. Why would they try to ruin my family and destroy my kids and no one from your father's side step in and at least try to help me, Archer asked plaintively. I don't get it, and I'm depressed. Archer also told Hunter that their Asian friends were asking the same questions. So their buddies in Asia are like, Archer, what's going on? I thought you paid this guy off. What's going on? And then Hunter says, Buddy, are you serious? Hunter replied before launching into a lofty homily about how, quote, our democracy makes the people in power vulnerable to prosecutorial overreach. In doing so, Hunter seemed to suggest that the White House and the Department of Justice were in separate branches of the government. So the, I think Hunter went to Harvard Law or Yale. So here's what Hunter's, here's, here's Hunter's little uh, dissertation on why it is that uh, Archer got in trouble. The same Justice Department can investigate and prosecute this president and his family, Hunter explained. It does for all administrations. It's democracy. Three co-equal branches of government. You are always more vulnerable to the overreach of one of those co-equal branches when you're in power. Every president's family is held to a higher standard. It's the price of being the most powerful group of people in the world. It's why our democracy remains viable. What is he talking about? Is he, is he, is he high on crack at this point? 
It makes no sense what he's saying. It's unfair at times, but in the end, the justice system of justice usually works. And like you were redeemed, and, and like you were, and like you, wait, it, it's unfair at times, but in the end, the system of justice usually works. And like you, we are redeemed and the truth prevails. The unfairness to us allows for the greater good. <laughs> Archer replied that he was still depressed and told Hunter that he loved him anyway. Everyone but you sucks, including them all, Archer wrote, adding, your brother was with me. It is not currently known how deeply Joe's late son, uh, Bo, was involved in the family's influence peddling endeavors. Hunter wrote back, every great family is persecuted, prosecuted in the U.S. You are part of a great family, not a sideshow, not deserted by them and in your darkest moments. That's the way the Bides are different, and you are a Biden. It's the price of power. And the people questioning you truly have none, whereas you do through perseverance and poise. This sounds just like, uh, this sounds just like somebody in the mafia telling a guy, basically, look, you're going to go to prison forever, uh, but it's for the greater good. And hey, you're part of our crew, so you're not going to say anything, and you're going to get through this, and uh, we'll see you in 25 years. So, this is you know Archer, this poor guy. <laughs> he's being hung out the dry by the Bidens. And, uh, and now he's being, he's, he's trying to talk to Hunter and Hunter is just giving him the cold shoulder. And I, th- I thought of this, this is what, this is Hunter. This is Hunter Biden talking to, uh, uh, Archer. No, oh, they expect one of us in the wreckage brother. Have we started the fire? Yes. The fire rises. That's from Batman. But that's what that's what Hunter Biden was saying to Archer. Basically. You know what? They expect one of us in the wreckage, and you're that guy. You know? You're the guy. You're gonna take the fall for this and uh you know, there's not much I can do for you. And then hasta la vista. Out of the airplane I go while you go down in flames. And that's what it looks like is going to happen. You know, this says here, it says, there were approximately 20 occasions that Hunter Biden asked his father to say hello to whomever was at dinner. Sometimes it was friends and sometimes it was potential business partners. So, but that, we're supposed to think that this was from a RNC research tweet according to representative Dan Golden. So this guy, Dan Golden is this, uh, they call him here the de facto family lawyer from Benny, Benny Johnson on Twitter. And he was saying, basically, look, Biden was just saying hi to these guys. You know, Biden was just saying hi. He wasn't influence peddling. Clay Travis said the same, said something funny earlier. He said, you know, he's been in business for a long time and never once in any of his business endeavors has he called his father and just to say hi. And his father, uh, you know, presumably didn't have as much clout as Joe Biden. So if you're Hunter Biden, you have no skills, discernible skills. You can't even tell what the co-equal branches of government are. You think the Department of Justice is not part of the executive branch. And your father happens to be Joe Biden titular uh, second most powerful man in the world at the time, quote unquote, he's vice president, one heartbeat away. And uh, we're supposed to believe that when Hunter got these people on the phone, 
when he's dealing with these Chinese and these Ukrainians and, you know, he's trying to basically wine and dine him and show him what he can do for him, trying to justify his $83,000 a month salary. He's going to call his dad just to ask, say hi. Does that, is that how it works? This is funny, but we'll see. Of course, this is not going to, uh, I don't know. People think that Hunter Biden maybe is going to go down and then Joe Biden's going to go down. And the only way that's going to happen is if there's a decision on the part of the DNC to get rid of Joe. And just like that, it can happen. If they decide to, they'll get rid of him. Just like, remember Andrew Cuomo? Andrew Cuomo was America's mayor, according to the left. He was the guy, you know, during COVID who was going to make us all feel like we were going to be safe. People turned in to see him. He'd go on and on about numbers of ventilators and what they were doing with the hospital spaces. And, you know, and people just, he got an Emmy award for that. Andrew Cuomo. He got an Emmy award for his uh, press conferences. And then just as quickly as his star rose, his star went down and he's no longer governor. He got ousted. And the reason why he got ousted was because they decided they were going to pull the plug on him. And it happens just like that. And it could happen to Joe just like that. I don't think Joe's very well liked in, in Washington, D.C. Um, he's just not a likable person, Joe Biden. So whatever loyalty or affection that they have for Joe Biden is not very deep. So if they decide that, you know, we're going to pull the plug on Joe, it may well become that, you know, maybe the Hunter goes to prison and then Joe Biden, you know, is forced to resign and this, that, and the other, but. It's just kind of funny because if you were to put any Republican in this spot, it doesn't even have to be Donald Trump. It could be any Republican. Mitt Romney, you know, the most milquetoast, uh, unthreatening Republican presidential candidate in modern history. If you were to put him in this situation, they would have gone after him. He would be in prison right now. If this was Joe Biden, I'm sorry, if this was Mitt Romney and his son, and Ukrainian uh, oligarchs and text messages and all this stuff, congressional testimony, Mitt Romney would be in prison right now. He wouldn't be president. He wouldn't be in prison. But the the Republicans, they don't know how to fight. They don't know how to fight. They don't want to fight. I was talking with a patient about this, and I said, look, I don't think they're going to impeach Joe Biden. I think they're, you know, they don't have the guts. And he said, he had a good point. He says, it's not necessarily they don't have the guts is they know not to throw glass and uh, rocks and glass houses. And they know that, you know, they go start trying, trying to impeach Joe Biden. Well, you know, bad things can happen to them. Maybe some stuff starts leaking about uh, how they got, how they made their money. You know, maybe we learn more about the McConnell's uh, contracts with shipping companies. Uh, maybe we start to learn more about other Republicans, you know, maybe, you know, maybe suddenly, this impeachment just turns up a lot more other stuff on the other people in Congress. And I think it's acceptable when you go after Donald Trump, because even the Republicans wanted Trump gone. You know, McConnell wanted Trump gone. The establishment wanted Trump gone. So when you go after Trump, it's not a big deal. But that's why they were so hesitant to impeach Clinton. And uh, But they are not. They weren't hesitant at all to impeach Trump. My God, they impeached him over a phone call, and they impeached him over a speech. And now they're going to probably try to send him to prison for both. But that just goes to show you the difference between Republicans and Democrats when it comes to fighting corruption or trying to win. Let's put it that way. 
Republicans are not willing to win and Democrats are willing to do whatever it takes to win. This is uh, pretty gross. This is more Biden update. So, you know, this Ashley Biden had this diary. It was this purported diary. That's again. Okay, listen, pretend I'm reading the New York Times. Okay, New York Times. Ashley Biden recordings confirms that the infamous diary is hers and sick Joe may have to head to the showers. Now, now it's not New York Times because it's actually PJ Media. But here's what it says. This is from PJ Media. It says, <clears throat> Ashley Biden recording confirms that the infamous diary is hers and sick Joe may have to head to the showers. So they found this diary. These people found a diary. They started reading it and it found out, looks like it was Ashley Biden's diary. And so then they contacted Project Veritas on their tip line and said, uh, <clears throat> this is from the article, it says, an audio recording of the woman who called Project Veritas tip line on September 3rd said her family knew the people who rented out the house that Ashley Biden stayed in one of the bedrooms and left behind a diary. On the voicemail, the unidentified woman said, this diary is pretty crazy. I think it's worth taking a look at. It's not a joke. It's real. I'd love to get it in your hands. It sure was crazy. Ashley Biden suffered from sexual and drug addictions and wrote in her diary that her dad would often take showers with her. She also wrote that she would wait until late at night to take showers to avoid her dad slipping into the shower with her. Okay, so that's that's what we were told happened. And then if you believe that, if you were a Trump person, let's say, then you said, God, Joe Biden's a disgusting, creepy old man. It makes sense now why he sniffs all these little girls. It makes sense why um, Tara Reid says that he uh, sexually assaulted her. It all makes sense. But if you're a Trump person, or if you're a person who reads New York Times, Washington Post, watches CNN, MSNBC, and doesn't go outside of that venue, then you say, that's bullcrap. That is made up. That's a right wing. That's QAnon. That's not real. So we are told that, you know, Ashley Biden's diary wasn't real. It wasn't really her. So here's what Ashley Biden had to say about it. Uh, when she was told about it, I'm sorry, when she was alerted that Project Veritas had her diary, uh, she actually called Project Veritas, and this is a recording of it. At this point, and I don't mean to, I, I don't want to have to get Secret Service involved in this, right? Because it just is, it's a whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I am Ashley Biden. It is my stuff. So if you could just skip all of that over, I would really appreciate it. I know you sent a picture to my husband with a camera and mm-hmm. a few other things that are mine as well. So that would be really great. Where is a good place uh, for him to meet you? So that was Ashley Biden talking to Project Veritas saying, that's my stuff and I need it back. So what are we to make of that? I mean, like I said, this is cut and dry. This is Devin Archer testifying in front of Congress that Joe Biden was meeting with Hunter Biden's uh, foreign allies or foreign business partners, and they were getting people fired uh, who were trying to prosecute the companies, and Biden was getting paid for it. And now here you have this thing where this diary that's out there contains this lurid details about how Ashley Biden suffered from a sexual problem, and she thinks it happened because she was exposed to sex at too young of an age. This is what she said in her diary. And then she says here that, you know, she had to stay up late at night hoping that by doing so, Joe wouldn't sneak in the diet in the shower with her. 
And she was 12 years old at the time. So, but then here's Ashley Biden right here saying this is her diary. At this point, and I don't mean to, I, I don't want to have to get Secret Service involved in this. So nobody calls and says that unless they can get Secret Service involved. If you, In case you're saying, well, that's not Ashley Biden. Yes, right, because it just is, it's a whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I am Ashley Biden. It is my stuff. So if you could just skip all of that over, I would really appreciate it. I know you sent a picture to my husband with a camera and mm-hmm. a few other things that are mine as well. So that would be really great. Where is a good place uh, for him to meet you? What a disgusting, there- creepy old man. Look at him there. That is disgusting. They should impeach him for that alone, for being a sick old freak. Weird, weird family. Weird family. Hunter Biden hooking up with his brother's widow. I mean, there's that disgusting stuff on that laptop. This is what she said. I was so afraid of him coming in the shower when with me that I've waited until late at night to take a shower. Ashley Biden diary pages 67 to 68. Sick. And you know, you might say, well, that's, it still doesn't prove that it was her diary. It doesn't prove that it was her diary. This could be QAnon. So here's what happened. So they got word of this diary. It says, so during its undercover reporting project, Veritas asked Biden campaign for a comment. Eventually, that request landed on the desk of Biden attorney Roberta Kaplan. Okay, so listen what happens. Uh, indeed, when it was decided it could not publish the diary, Veritas. Indeed, when it decided it could not publish the diary, Veritas tried to give it to Kaplan. On the day Kaplan got word of the diary, she demanded that the prosecutors from the Southern District of New York be notified, and documents show that the feds opened an investigation that same day. Kaplan is also E. Jean Carroll's attorney, the woman who sued Donald Trump for an attack in New York Department's New York City Department store. She's the one that said Trump raped her, and Trump says, I've never seen the woman. I don't know who the hell she is. And, and was also, uh, interestingly enough, Trump was found liable for uh, assault but not rape, whatever the hell that means. It must be nice having your private prosecutors and, and Hoover's boys agents run interference for you. Project Veritas wrote that it sent into motion a, quote, unconstitutional Hoover's Boys raid of three Project Veritas journalists, uh, and one of those people was James O'Keefe. After getting what Veritas described as, quote, secret subpoenas, the the Hoover's Boys conducted early morning raids on James O'Keefe and two other Veritas reporters' homes. They were never charged nor prosecuted, even as gunned-up FBI agents were tossing the bewildered O'Keefe's apartment and confiscating his tools of the trade, one agent told him he wasn't, quote, being detained. The feds walked off with 47 recording devices, phones, laptops, and thumb drives belonging to the reporters, according to Veritas. And the legal fight over that, quote, unprecedented unconstitutional attacks on reporters continues. Project Veritas reports that, quote, any day now, Judge Annalisa Torres will rule on the government's request to see our privileged materials in this case. So if Hoover's boys went after this was referred to Kaplan and said, hey, do you want to come get this diary? You know it was her diary. Again, if this was the New York Times, Joe Biden, lead story, would say, President of the United States 
pedophile. But instead, it's just old Joe. Here's Joe at the beach. Here's Joe falling down on his bicycle. Here's Joe eating ice cream. Here's Joe mumbling his way through a speech. Here's Joe uh, stumbling down the stairs. Here's Joe stumbling up the stairs. Here's Joe reading off of a chart. Here's Joe sleeping. Here's Joe uh, eating a crumb that someone told him was on his face. Do you remember that? Some crumb was on his face, and they they sent him a card that says he was he's talking on the tele he's talking on the television. I forgot what it was. Some type of live event. He's got this food on his face, and he's talking. He's talking. It goes on for a long time. Finally, someone hands him a card and says, "And we know it says this because he shows the card." He does this oftentimes. So when he gets these cue cards, it says, you sit down, you start to speak. You are the president. Uh, he gets these cards and he, he t- tell them what to do. And this says, said, sir, there's something on your chin. He reads it and he doesn't do anything. He doesn't want to cause any ruckus. A few seconds go by and then he reaches down and he grabs the crumb, what was on his chin, looks at it and eats it. Oh boy. Here's something. This is a trans trans update. Transgender Canadian applies for euthanasia program over lasting pain from sex change surgery. This is from the Gateway Pundit. It says, a transgender Canadian applied for the nation's MAID, Medical Assistance in Dying Euthanasia Program, citing lasting pain from sex change surgery to create a, quote, neo-vagina. Canada has denied Lois Cardinal's request with a doctor writing, quote, based on the current clinical information and consultations, the patient does not meet MAID criteria. However, the self-proclaimed sterilized First Nations post-ops transsexual is not accepting the determination and is still seeking euthanasia and has posted their medical records. They say there. I guess that's what this person goes by. Online asking if the denial is a human rights violation. In the medical notes, the doctor wrote, the patient is aware she, which is a man, can contact me again for her ongoing journey for an assisted death. I'm in constant discomfort and pain. The 35-year-old told the Daily Mail, I'm taking this psychological burden on me. If I'm not able to gain or access proper medical care, I don't want to continue to do this. Cardinal underwent sex change procedure. I, I just called gender affirmation, guys. Come on. Get it together. Cardinal underwent sex change procedure in 2009, but still feels pressure, constant pressure, pain, and discomfort from having their, his, Penis inverted to form a, quote, vagina. Cardinal told the mail that the, uh, I guess that's the Daily Mail. Yeah. Cardinal told the Daily Mail, quote, doctors are more interested in finding out what pronouns she uses than easing her pain. I'm not getting any better, nor am I experiencing better medical care or any medical care, Cardinal said. It's so captured by gender ideologies that they don't even that they care more about my pronouns. Cardinal has posted videos burning the LGBTQ plus flag and opposing transgender ideology, especially how it's being pushed on children. Oh, this person's a God, what a terrible person. This person is probably MAGA. She's a Canadian, but she's probably he she's a Canadian. They's a Canadian is probably MAGA. Because who would oppose the LGBTQ plus? Uh, flag who would burn the flag and oppose transgender ideology especially pushing on children i mean that's innocuous i don't think of anything more innocuous than cutting the penis off of a child you know they say that well it's not they say it's true 
when you have tonsil surgery when you're a child, it's much easier. And if you have to have it as an adult, you can have it, but it's, it's harder because the tissues are, there's more collagen. It's just harder to cut out. It's a longer recovery. The whole thing's more complicated. So I guess that goes toward the transgender uh, uh, communities. Uh, let's call it the, the radical transgender communities request that they do this on children. It makes more sense, I guess. Although we did hear from that queer surgeon, self-described queer surgeon in Oregon Health and Science Hospital, I think it's called, who said that it's harder to do um, these penisectomies on children because when you cut their penis off, there's not enough tissue to make a neo-vagina. So then you have to do skin flaps. And you believe we're talking about this? I mean, this is borderline insanity. Not borderline, it's insanity, really. But this is mainstream. Like I said before, this is... If you're a Democrat, let's say you're a Democrat running for office, you have to agree that this is okay. This is not only okay, this is to be done. This is to be uh, done on children. This gender-affirming, quote-unquote, care, which is cutting the penis off of children or cutting breasts off of children or giving them uh, hormone blockers that you give to people who are, you know, like Lupron, you give to someone who has prostate cancer, or you can give it to a young child. You know, who knows? It's off-label use, right? You know what's the other funny thing about this off-label use? So the same people who think that giving Lupron, which is a drug that blocks testosterone that you give to someone who has prostate cancer so that the, the prostate does not lo- no longer grow from testosterone because that's how a prostate is stimulated through testosterone. So you block testosterone to a prostate cancer patient by giving them Lupron. Okay? Now... The other thing you can do is take a kid, a boy, who has not gone through puberty yet and give them Lupron and stop them from going through puberty artificially. That's called gender-affirming care, right? The same people who argue that that is a right, that is valid, that is virtuous, that is the thing to do, those same people argue that if you take Plaquenil, for coronavirus, you are a wacko. If you take ivermectin for coronavirus, you're crazy. It's horse dewormer. Plaquenil is going to make you go blind and have a heart attack. Isn't it? Is it crazy as hell? I mean, you have to be crazy yourself to not see that as crazy as hell. You have to be so gaslighted into your own whatever confusion that if you think that taking Lupron for a child is okay... And then turn around at the same time and say, but if you take ivermectin, you are to be ridiculed because it's not proven and it's off-label use. Is Lupron off-label use for stopping a child from going through puberty? I mean, what the hell kind of country are we living in? And not only that, what kind of medical community do we have? The medical establishment, you know, the medical establishment, the AMA, the American Academy of Pediatrics is all for this. It's crazy as hell to believe. It is crazy as hell to believe. But the medical establishment is for transgender care, quote unquote, for gender affirming surgery. And like I said, if you're a mainstream, if you're not a mainstream, if you're a Democrat in general, you have to go by this. If you're a Democrat, you have to go through all these different things. And that's why I can't understand how there's 50% of the people roughly who vote Democrat. I just can't understand it. Because I don't think that 50% of the people think that. The Democrat Party is so far left now 
you know, everybody knows the saying that if, you know, if you're a Democrat in the 60s, for instance, like John F. Kennedy, you could never get a seat at the table of the Democrat Party. I mean, look what they're doing to Robert Kennedy. My God. For the only thing Robert Kennedy has done, RFK Jr., is say that, you know, maybe we shouldn't uh, all be forced into taking vaccinations. You know, and he's done a few other things that are not, quote, you know, on the on the on the what a party line. Because of just those few things, he's being ostracized by his own family, even. But like I said, the the Democrat Party is so left wing now. It is how did fifty percent of people vote for that? I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Honestly, don't. And I think that's why they have to do things like get mules to vote, and that's why they have to do things like you know get nursing home people to vote. You know, whatever they do, you know, they they figure out how to win elections. And they do so through means that are not through getting people to vote. And another way is they do it is they have people who, you know, basically are in a bubble because they say, well, you can't watch Fox News. That's that's right wing. And they said people watch MSNBC. They read the New York Times. They go to entertainment that reinforces left wing ideology uh, that the, 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 the entertainment world says that Sound of Freedom is a uh, is a. QAnon, and you can't go watch that, but you should go watch uh, some other woke uh, uh, movies instead. You know, they go to schools. 98%, 99% of schools are left wing, you know, and they get indoctrinated there. You know, they go to corporations, they work in corporations that are left wing. You know, any major corporation has got a Department of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, which by definition is a left wing ideology. So everything around them is left wing. So it's now you can kind of see how, well, maybe they don't understand that Ashley Biden was scared to take a shower because her father may come and get can't come in and get the shower with her and it made her uncomfortable. They don't know that Ashley Biden ended up as a drug addict or with sexual problems. You know, they don't know that Devin Archer and uh, Hunter Biden uh, were in cahoots with Joe Biden to uh, peddle influence and then uh, get special treatment. And that Joe Biden used his office as vice president to do it. And those contacts in the in Washington, D.C. to do it. They don't know that. And they've been told that this is all, this is all, it's just, it's QAnon. That's why they like to use these simple slogans like Ultra MAGA, you know. Oh, it's Ultra MAGA. You don't want to watch that. That's Ultra MAGA. Dr. Tommy shows Ultra MAGA. Don't watch that. You know, and then you never learn. You just stay in your little, you know, you know, it's probably like, it's like the people who live in these blue cities and they never leave the blue cities. You know, they just become part of it and they don't, they don't get exposed to things that are different. And before you know it, <clears throat> they don't know any different. They, they can't know any different because they're not allowed to through conditioning. But anyway, this person is not going to get their surgery or I'm sorry, surgery. This person is not going to get their euthanasia, but this penis pain, this uh, problem, this pain. See, we don't ever hear about that. Have you ever had surgery? Have you ever had surgery and not and not recovered all the way or have some lingering pain? Can you imagine what the pain is like to have your penis chopped off and inverted and then have to dilate it daily or at least for a long time to create a quote neo vagina? I mean, is that is that something we should be doing on kids? Well, if you're a democrat then yes. Democrats, if you believe in if you're a democrat politician, you have to go by transgender uh, care for, for minors. 
You have to believe in abortion all nine months of pregnancy. Find a Democrat out there, a, a, a mainstream Democrat who is not for abortion. And if they're not for abortion, who is not for abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. How, how sick is that? I mean, imagine how much of a worshiper of Moloch you have to be in order to abort a child like that. That is so beyond description of gory, inhumane, evil. And yet, like I said, if you're a mainstream Democrat, you have to believe in that because it's about choice. It's about not oppressing women. It's about uh, First Amendment or whatever the hell they used to say it was part of. So you have to believe in that. You have to believe in uh, there's you have to believe in discrimination against people based on skin color. So long as the discrimination is against white people. Uh, what else do you have to believe in? You have to believe in all kinds of things. You have to believe in forced vaccinations. You have to believe that Dr. Fauci didn't lie to. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Some people are Democrats or not. Are not continuing to live in the bubble, though. This is from Western Journal. Okay, Oakland NAACP condemns defund the police in blistering statement urges white, Asian, and Latin communities to sound crime alarm. In public life, some truths rise to the level of an axiom. Leftist policies, for instance, always hurt the very people leftists claim they intend to help. On Friday, KTVU-TV in Oakland reported that the city's NAACP has had enough of woke nonsense. In a statement issued Thursday, the Oakland NAACP blasted the city's social justice warriors. Quote, failed leadership, including the movement to defund the police, our district attorney's unwillingness to charge and prosecute people who murder and commit life-threatening serious crimes, and the proliferation of anti-police rhetoric have created a heyday for Oakland criminals. If there are no consequences for committing crime in Oakland, crime will continue to soar to statement read in part. Cynthia Adams, president of Oakland branch of NAACP and Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor of Acts Full Gospel Church, issued the joint statement. Oakland residents are sick and tired of our intolerable public safety crisis that overwhelmingly impacts minority communities. Murders, shootings, violent armed robberies, home invasions, car break-ins, sideshows, and highway shootouts have become a pervasive fixture in the, of life in Oakland, the statement began. Thus, the city's law-abiding citizens need swift and decisive action. Adams and Jackson called for a city officials to declare a state of emergency. We are $500 or 500 officers short of the number experts say Oakland needs. Furthermore, Oakland's young people need, quote, quality education, mentorship, and most importantly, real economic opportunities. I'll add something to that. They also need uh, families that are intact. Alas, progressive policies and failed leadership have chased away or delayed significant blue-collar development in the city of Portland and the former army base that must that in the former army base that must change. So this is this is people. I'm guarantee they're Democrats. Oakland and the BACP. Um and they they've had enough. So this is an example that there's hope. There are there's hope. Um that you know, some people can break away from the from the uh, transfixation with left being a part of this Democrat party and say, look, this is crazy. Everything they listed here is a, is a problem from the leftists quality education. They need that because the education departments and uh, are, are dominated by uh, leftist unions. 
Real economic opportunities. Well, we know it causes that. Progressive policies and failed leadership. Yeah, they're exactly right. So all these things that, like this axiom, they said this axiom that the left creates policies that always harm the people that they claim that they want to help. This is a true, true statement. And these people, you know, that look at look in uh, all these places where they have these DAs. They're letting people off. It's like a what's that brag? You know, he's charging people with felonies, with misdemeanors, and then he elevates the misdemeanor that Trump supposedly is guilty of to a felony. You know, it's just crazy. Some people are rising up and saying, no way. You know, there I saw another article earlier. It said that there was a, I think it was New York times or was it Washington post. Anyway, they were writing about, they were worried that the black people were not going to vote for the Democrats coming up, or at least in the numbers that they're expected. See, that's the thing too. The Democrat party cobbles together these coalitions and then they don't really tend to them. And so you have this coalition of, let's say black people in, in, in Oakland, you know, the NAACP and they say, well, they're, you know, we've gotten them, we've gotten them taken care of. So now let's kowtow to some other group and uh, let's turn loose the criminals from the prisons because uh, you know, we need to win that vote. Well, the people that live in those communities are like, wait, 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 we don't want these people on our streets, but that's what happens when you have too many coalitions and they're not based around any type of uniform ideology. Like for instance, freedom, constitutionalism, uh, liberty. Those are things that, you know, various people can get around. You don't have to be the same skin color. You don't have to be the same sexual uh, orientation. You don't have to be same sex or anything. You just, you can be that, you know, you don't have to be in this part of the same union. You don't have to be in a union. You can be in union. Everybody can, it's universal. People can all understand the need for freedom, for liberty, for constitutionalism. But then when you're on the Democrat party, you say, look, look, okay, we want Hispanics in here. So let's get that group in here. And we want blacks, so we'll get that group in here because we're always concerned about skin color. So we got those two groups. All right, so what else do we need? All right, let's throw in here. Well, let's throw in here the LGBTQ people. So we'll start throwing all these people a bone. Oh, but we also want the Muslims. So we're going to have Muslims come in here, and pretty soon all these groups they just if you're appealing to people based off on these single single uh, characteristics, they're not going to all share the same ideologies, you know. And so you get to a problem where you're like, okay, well, uh, I want to force you to bake this cake. And then the Muslim may say, well, I don't want to bake that cake. And then there's a problem. And so you're saying, well, I want to, you know, turn loose people on the streets because that's uh, the left wing um, uh, criminal justice reform community likes that. And but they're turning loose people that go to the streets to go live in these uh, minority neighborhoods and the minority neighborhoods are like, we don't want that. So that's what happens when you have a Democrat Party. The Democrat Party base is basically... Uh, their unifying ideology is that uh, we need to tear down this structure that is now. And uh, the reason, and, and the other thing that they have is they have this, they have the two levels. They have the very elites like the Joe Bidens, the Hunter Bidens, rich elites, mostly whites, who get things turned their way. Uh, you know, they get, they get the green energy contracts. They get the, uh, they get um, all these uh, kind of, esoteric things that people want that are elites that do not necessarily filter down to the, uh, to the other groups that they have. And the other groups are the underprivileged quote unquote. And those are the people who have to be kept in a kind of underprivileged, underprivileged state. And that's why they hate anything that helps people build up on their own. Anytime that you're a part of the Democrat coalition and you're low, 
and you're on the lower levels of things, the only way that you can get up is by voting for the people who are going to help you. So in the, you know, the racial justice community, you have to vote for their leaders and they're going to work and work and work. And then maybe, you know, 60 years down the line, maybe we'll have some reform, but don't hold your breath. In the meantime, they're going to destroy your family by uh, making your uh, families generationally dependent on welfare. Uh, You're going to incentivize divorce or incentivize never marrying. You're going to incentivize out of wedlock, uh, child, childbirth, and you're going to incentivize uh, having more and more children through an uh, expansive welfare state. And so you have these two groups where you have these people, like I said, as a, the, the climate change community. And then you have this other community down here who's not so concerned about climate change, but they're concerned about making sure they continue to get their benefits. And that's what the, the Democrat Party has no unifying vision, except that we need to tear down the existing structures. And the elites want the existing structures torn down because they're like the WEF, World Economic Forum. And they're the elites. And they say, look, we have too much. Uh, there's a, this is middle class. People can move up through the middle class and it's disruptive. We need just to have the high elite class like us, millionaires. And then we'll wipe out the middle class and everybody else will be below that. And then we'll be able to rebuild society in a way that is uh, that is more uniform and more and more fair. And that's what that's what the World Economic Forum and, and the groups like that, like the elite Democrats, they want is to break down this way. We break down this constitutional republic we have, at least in the United States. You know, we need to do away with we need to do away with uh, the Electoral College because the Electoral College makes it to where states have representation, whether they're small or big. And we need to force everybody to live in cities. And the way one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to make everybody drive electric cars. And so you see how it all fits together. They have a vision of America that is America sucks and needs to be taken apart piece by piece, like Barack Obama says, uh, like Barack Obama said, we need to have a fundamental transformation and we need to rebuild it. And it's a socialist utopia. And then we also going to have to have a permanent underclass. And that's what they view these groups as these minority groups. And the way you're going to get anywhere in life, if you're one of these groups and have to be racial group, but if you're a, LGBT group or whatever, you're going to have to ask us to help you. And we're going to have to put out this idea that the only reason that you're suffering the way you are is because of the Republicans, because of MAGA, because of the conservatives, because they're evil and they want to keep you downtrodden and they want to keep you uh, and, and they're discriminatory and, and, and they believe in um, they don't believe in your uh, your freedom to to do anything with your sexual organs or whatever. They want to just impose their ideology on you and you have to come to us and we'll protect you. And that's what they sell. So one group sells a freedom agenda, a liberty agenda, agenda focused on constitutionalism. And the other group sells depend on the government to help you. And I don't even say it's left and right there because it's more establishment and non-establishment because the establishment party is the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. And they all believe in big government. Big government's the way to go. They have a different idea of what the big government should do. But they know that they need big government. They need big government on one side, well, both sides now, for defense contracting, for instance. We need a big government to make sure that that gravy train keeps going. We need continuous war. We need wars at all times. Once we shut down a war, we have to start another war immediately. And we have to keep that pipeline of of, uh, revenue going. So both the Democrat Party and the Republican Party are big government parties. And they have slightly different... Uh, characteristics as far as the way they talk, but they all want the same thing in the end. And that's an elite group of people controlling your life 
and you having as little uh, mobility as possible. Because when you have mobility yourself, you don't need the government, and they want you to need the government. Another big city, blue city update. Huh. This is a sanctuary city, formerly known as a sanctuary city, New York. It says the Gateway Pundit says New York City hires COVID company in in $432 million no-bid contract to ship illegal aliens out of the city. So they had this company before called DocGo, formerly Ambulance. <laughs> Eight-year-old company founded in 2015. Anyway, this company had been previously uh, in charge of uh, doing something with COVID from New York. And then COVID went away, so they're like, oh, we need some more. We need to figure out what else to do. And it said, uh, okay, well, then maybe you can ship out illegal immigrants out of our out of our state. It says, back in May, New York City Mayor Eric Adams claimed the illegal alien crisis was so bad that 50% of the hotel rooms were occupied by illegal aliens. And that's interesting. So you have a sanctuary city. You proclaim yourself as a sanctuary city. And then you complain when you get people. That's because it was all virtue signal. It was all it was all done for show. It was not meant. It was not meant. They didn't really want people coming there. They wanted to say that because they wanted to look like they had a big heart. They're all for diversity. They're all for helping their fellow man. But then when push comes to shove, we don't need these people here. Over 7 million illegal aliens entered through the U.S. through its open borders under Joe Biden. And over 90,000 illegal aliens have been shipped to New York City during the crisis. New York City is a sanctuary city. On Sunday, the New York Times reported that New York City officials hired DocGo in a $432 million no-bid contract to ship hundreds of illegal aliens out of the city. Uh, DocGo owner is 40-year-old Lee Beinstock, who was once fired by Donald Trump on The Apprentice. It said, More than 1,500 migrants have been sent to places as far as Buffalo, but more on the way. This is from The New York Times. But many of the migrants have been greeted by protests at their new homes, as well as mistreatment and false hope of jobs. It says, Behind the Broken Promises is a medical services company, DocGo, that once contracted with the city to provide COVID testing and vaccination services, but pivoted to migrant care as the pandemic waned and a new crisis emerged. Ain't that interesting? They go from they go from making uh, or from doing COVID testing to shipping people out of the state. Out of the state, who knows? Who this guy is? This guy must know people. Lee Lee Beinstock. He must know some people important in New York. Well, that's it for today. Uh, join us on drtommy.com pod slash podcast for all the for, uh, past podcasts and uh, view all your viewing options. Uh, we're live on Rumble video and then any of the podcasting platforms you can get us. And now on video on Spotify too, if you want that and audio. Also uh, join us in here in the office. If you want to learn more about concierge medicine in Tampa at Echelon Health until next time. Bye-bye. 